that video uh, drew my mind to a passage in the book of Ezekiel this morning. And let me read a part of this to you, Ezekiel chapter 1. Over the heads of the living creatures there was the likeness of an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystal, spread out above their heads. And under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight, one toward another, and each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings, and there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads, and when they stood still, they let down their wings." And above the expanse, over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. We serve a great and holy God. And we're about now to enter a time where we come to his word that is alive and active. Would you join me as we pray? God, we don't want to enter these coming moments um, passively or uh, disattached, disengaged. Lord, it is truly as we just heard from Ezekiel, in, in experience, an in, in encounter with you makes us undone. And Ezekiel couldn't even find the words. He kept saying, like this, it was like that, it was like this. But when he saw just a part of who you were, he hit the ground. So Lord, would you take these moments now would you remind us that you are holy, holy, holy? And thank you that you have not left yourself far away from us. You have come near. You have come close. You've revealed yourself through your word. You've revealed yourself through the beauty of your creation. You've revealed yourself through the living word, Jesus Christ. Lord, now as we give our attention to your word, would you give us reverence uh, for what you've revealed to us today. Lord, help us then to not only understand it, uh, but to put it into practice. For Lord, we are a needy, sinful, selfish people. Use your word today to correct, to equip, to rebuke, to exhort, to come alongside those of us who feel weak today. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name and God's, all God's people said, amen. Let me begin with a brief survey. Raise your hand if you've ever lied. <laughs> well, we got a problem because some of you didn't raise your hand. So if you didn't raise your hand, it's likely that you lied. 
Because Psalm 116.11 says, all mankind are liars. In 2002, a University of Massachusetts study found that 60% of people lied at least once during a 10-minute conversation and told an average of two to three lies. The study also found lies told by women and men differ in content, but not in quantity. Here's what they discovered. Women were more likely to lie to make the person they were talking to feel good, while men lied most often to make themselves look better. This makes me think of the guy who saw a sign in front of a house. Here's what the sign said, talking dog for sale. Well, he was curious, so he went up and he rang the doorbell. The owner told him he could go out in the back to see the talking dog. So the guy went around the house and he asked the dog this question. He said, can you really talk? Yep, the dog replied. (laughs) The man responded, so what's your story? So the dog looked up and said, well, I discovered my gift of talking pretty young, so I told the CIA about it, and in no time, they had me sitting in rooms with world leaders because no one figured a dog would be eavesdropping. But the travel really got to me, so I signed up for a job at the airport to do some undercover security work, and now, well, now I'm just retired. Well, this guy was really impressed, so he asked the owner how much he wanted for the dog. And the owner replied, $10. The guy's like, $10? Are you serious? I mean, that dog is amazing. Why on earth would you sell him so cheaply? To which the owner replied, well, he's a big liar. He didn't do any of that stuff. You can't believe a word he says. Question, can people believe a word you say? Can people believe all the words you say? Today we come to the ninth commandment. Open your Bibles up. There's one in front of you if you're engaging here in person. Exodus chapter 20 verse 16 reads like this, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Last week, we summarized commandment number eight like this. When we steal, we take from the person who possesses it and from God who owns it. When we trust God's providential provision, we will treat people and their property with respect. I appreciated the perspective of a pastor who said the sixth commandment protects a person's life The seventh protects marriage, the eighth protects personal property, and the ninth protects the reputation of others. Jen Wilkin writes, as the third word bade us to honor God's good name, the ninth bids us to honor the good name of our neighbor. And just as we must not misuse the name of the Lord our God, we must not misuse the name of those created in his image. Well, let's review the summary statements we've been using to help us remember the Ten Commandments. If you know them, say them along with me. One God, no idols. Revere his name. Remember to rest. Honor parents. No murder. No adultery. No stealing. No lying, and finally, number 10, no cut.
coveting. Here's what I'm hoping we learn today. Because God is truth, we must tell the truth. Simply put, God wants us to be truthful, well, because he is truthful. Everything God says, everything God does is true because he himself is truth. Consider Isaiah 65, 16. He's called the God of truth. Hebrews 6, 18. It's impossible for God to lie. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Psalm 51, 6. David tells us what God delights in. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. We read some strong words there. God includes abuses of the tongue as three of the seven things he hates the most. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. That should get our attention. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Now, we see how highly God values truth. Check out Zechariah chapter 8, beginning in verse 16. These are the things that you shall do. First one, speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath. For all these things I hate, declares the Lord. So because God is truth, you and I must tell the truth. Well, let's consider eight ways that this commandment is broken. Number one, false accusations. You know, in studying Exodus 20, verse 16, I realized that this command forbids more than just not lying, though it certainly includes that. Well, let's consider it carefully Exodus 20, 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So let's set the cultural context. The context is one of an ancient courtroom. For the pagan nations surrounding Israel, there were very few standards or protections for the one who was accused. In some cases, defendants couldn't give a defense. And they were presumed guilty until proven innocent. Well, you already know this, but let's just say it out loud. There were no DNA tests, no fingerprinting, no video evidence. So defendants could be convicted and condemned based on just one witness. So that's the pagan nations. Listen, in contrast... God provided protection for the accused in the commands he gave to his people. 
Because witnesses were very important in the ancient world, God expressly prohibited anyone from bearing or giving, here's the command, false witness. The word false means without cause. So when this command was repeated 40 years later, Moses preached 40 years later to the next generation. He went back through the Ten Commandments and he added some explanation to them like in a sermon. We read this, Deuteronomy 5.20, he uses a different word for false, which means empty or vain. The word witness is to testify or answer. So this could be translated like this, you will not answer as a lying witness. Or more literally, you shall not be a lying witness against your neighbor. I appreciate what Albert Moeller writes in an honor culture where reputation meant everything and life and death could hang in the balance. False witnesses could kill. Truth must always be spoken about one's neighbor for even one incident of false accusation could unravel the social fabric of an entire community. Now, the injunction against bearing false witness is stated throughout Scripture. Well, let's just fast forward just three chapters later. Exodus chapter 23, we read, You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit, siding with the many so as to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. Proverbs twenty four twenty eight. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. If you think about it, false witnesses are a threat to justice being served. They can harm or even put to death someone who's innocent. They can disrupt the life of the community at large, and they can undermine public confidence in the judicial system. You are aware, right, that our nation's laws are based on the Judeo-Christian foundation of truthful testimony. We cannot have true justice when people don't tell the truth. That's what's behind the question asked of a witness who often puts his hand on the Bible. Do you swear that the evidence you shall give to the court in this matter shall be the truth, the what? The whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. So God gave three other safeguards to ensure justice was served. Number one, there had to be more than one witness. Deuteronomy 19.15, a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. Now, that's still followed today where prosecutors look for corroborating testimony from multiple witnesses. Secondly, a lying witness was given the same punishment the accused would have received. Now, that's a deterrent, isn't it? 
So listen, verse 16, Deuteronomy 19. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently. Listen, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge that evil from your Midst. Well, there's a third safeguard. A witness had to throw the first stone. Deuteronomy 17 7. The hand of the witnesses shall be first against him to put him to death. And afterward, the hand of all the people, so you shall purge the evil from your myth. See, most people are not willing to take part in punishing someone unless they're convinced the person is guilty. I mean, Jesus had this passage in mind, this passage from Deuteronomy, when he lowered the boom on some false witnesses. John 8, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a what? A stone at her. Now, this commandment is rooted in the ancient courtroom, courtroom, but it has other implications in other contexts, including our context today. We see that in the second half of Exodus 20, verse 16. We see this phrase, against your neighbor. Well, the word neighbor has a broad definition. It can mean friend. It can mean adversary. It can mean associate, companion, fellow citizen. Literally, it means a near one. According to Douglas Stewart, a neighbor is anyone you have dealings with, either, either actually or potentially. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke 10, Jesus defines a neighbor as anyone we meet who is in need. Have you noticed how easy it is when we sin to hurt those closest to us? I mean, if you're married and you break the ninth commandment, you hurt your spouse. If you have children, you hurt your children. Children, if you're lying, you hurt your parents. You hurt your best friends. You hurt your classmates. You hurt your coworkers and the people you live next to. So let's consider some other ways this commandment is broken. So number two, lying. So the first sin ever committed on earth was when Satan told a lie to Eve. This is what he said to Eve, Genesis 3, 4. You will not surely die. That was a lie. John 8, 44, Jesus said this about Satan. He is a liar and a father of lies. When we lie, we are dining with the devil. And we're demonstrating that we hate God and people. Like, well, that's strong. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates those it hurts. When we lie, we're not loving our neighbor. Rather, we're demonstrating how much we hate him or her. Now, let's say it positively. Our speech is a measure of our love for God and our love for people. Proverbs 12, 19 and 22, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. 
A lie never travels alone because you end up creating an alternate reality. So when you lie, you need to remember the true event, but you also need to remember how you altered it. And this leads to suppressing what is true while speaking the lie that you made up. It's very hard work, but some of us are pretty good at it. Because God is truth, we must tell the truth. Number three, gossip. As someone has said, a gossip is just a fool with a keen sense of rumor. Proverbs 26.20, for lack of wood, a fire goes out, and where there is no gossip, quarreling ceases. Remember this rule about gossip. The more interesting it is, the more likely it is to be false. Proverbs 16.28, a gossip separates close friends. So I need to know my name is safe when I'm out of the room if you're in the room. And you need to know your name is safe with me. Several years ago, our family was invited to a party at someone's house. And after we were done eating, a group of adults started playing volleyball. And then a group of kids took bed sheets while some of us adults lofted water balloons to them so they could catch the sheet, catch the water balloons in the sheets. They had a lot of fun. While we were doing this, I was with one of my friends. We looked over at the people playing volleyball. And I got his attention and I smirked and I said, Let's go. And he said, I'm in. So we just started launching these water balloons at those playing volleyball. We were out of control. We didn't stop till all the balloons were launched. The kids wanted more with big smiles on their faces, while the volleyball players kept looking up at the sky in dread of more missiles coming their way. Our water balloons were small, and yet... They had the ability to cause delight or destruction, depending on how they were used. Likewise, our words have the same power. They can bring pleasure. You can use your word just to bring pleasure to someone, or you can cause great pain. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue is the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our tongues can build others up, or they can slice and dice and tear people down. Question, have you been guilty of launching any gossip grenades? See, one problem with gossip is the information is often false, and in our cancel culture, we're quick to assume the worst about people, then we write people off based upon what we heard. It was Cordell Hull who said, a lie can get up and go halfway around the world before the truth even gets its britches on. (laughs) The other problem with gossip is it's delectable. It's fun to hear gossip. You're like, really? I didn't know that. Tell me more. It tastes good. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down deep into the inner parts of the body. Perhaps you're wondering, well, what's the best way to stop gossip? Well, simply to refuse to listen to it. 
Proverbs 17, 4 says, A wicked man listens to evil lips. A liar pays attention to a malicious tongue. So when someone is sharing something juicy with you, tell him or her you don't want to hear it. Say, well, that sounds like gossip. Well, the conversation will get pretty awkward pretty quickly. But if they have an issue with someone, they need to go and talk to that person, not talk to you about that person. Another idea is to reroute the conversation by sharing something positive about the person being raked over the coals. When you hear someone speaking against someone, simply speak up for that person. So we need to take this seriously because as one pastor puts it, every negative remark about someone is a prayer to the devil and it's fulfilled immediately. I heard about a man who did a lot of gossiping, and after learning that one of his friends was dying, he was convicted about all the gossip he had spread about his friend. So he went to the friend's house, and he said, please forgive me, because I've gossiped about you. The man who was dying said, I forgive you. He forgave him immediately. But then he said this, I'd like for you to cut open this feather pillow Go to the window and dump all the feathers out the window. The man was puzzled, but he did what he was asked. Then the dying man said these words, Now I'd like you to gather up all those feathers. The man replied, It's impossible. I mean, the wind has blown them everywhere. I could never retrieve all of them, to which the dying man said, Exactly. In like manner, it's impossible to undo the hurt you've done to me with your gossip. I do forgive you, but my reputation has been irreparably damaged. By the way, those who gossip to you will often gossip about you. Because God's Because God is truth, we must tell the truth. Number four, slander. Slander is making a false statement designed to harm someone. God has no tolerance for this kind of verbal assassination. Leviticus 19.16, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Psalm 101.5, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. 1 Peter 2.1 is a call for all Christians to get rid of this kind of speech. So put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all, listen for it, slander. It's noteworthy. Romans chapter 1, which many of us go to, and we should, as we look at what's happening in our culture today, we're like, that's Romans chapter 1 lived out. But let me draw your attention to verses 29 and 30 which list gossiping and slandering as marks of a depraved lifestyle. The ancient rabbis taught slander kills three people. The one who speaks it, the one who listens to it, and the one about whom it is spoken. The Puritan Thomas Watson said something similar. He that raises a slander carries the devil in his tongue. He that receives it carries the devil in his ear. I mean, this sin spreads like gangrene. I mean, just check out social media today. 
where people and politicians and pastors, public figures are skewered with vitriolic verbiage, often with no evidence of truth or grace. So because God is truth, you and I must tell the truth. Number five, flattery. We don't really expect this one, but flattery can be defined as the act of giving excessive compliments generally for the purpose of ingratiating oneself with the subject. Now, most of us like being flattered, but the Bible warns us to be on guard against those who sweet talk. Psalm 12 says, everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boast. I appreciate the insight of Kent Hughes. He writes this, gossip involves saying behind a person's back what you would never say to his or her face. Flattery means saying to a person's face what you would never say behind his or her back. Proverbs 29.5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. A flatterer is one who pats you on the back today only to locate a soft spot to insert a knife tomorrow. So because God is truth, you and I must tell the truth. Number six, deception. It was Sir Walter Scott who said, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. So what's deception? Deception can be defined as the act of misleading another through intentionally false statements or fraudulent actions. Proverbs 24, 28, do not deceive with your lips. Romans 3, 13 describes the depth of our depravity and our proclivity to deceive. Their throat is an open grave. Well, that's quite a word picture. They use their tongues to deceive. Man, there's a lot of deception taking place today. I mean, just think about what happens online with spoofers and spammers and scammers spreading their fraud. The FBI received a record number of complaints about cybercrime last year, 2020. We could call that the year of covid including many scams related to COVID-19, costing Americans a staggering $4.2 billion in losses. That is an increase of 69% in one year, 2020, compared to 2019. So because God is truth, you and I must tell the truth. Number seven, you might not think of this one, silence. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says there's a time to keep silence and there's a time to speak. We can break the ninth commandment by simply choosing to remain silent when we hear someone being falsely maligned or when we go quiet when an injustice is occurring. Leviticus 5 verse 1. If anyone sins in that he hears a public adjuration to testify and though he's a witness... Whether he has seen or come to know the matter, yet does not speak, he shall bear his iniquity. So when we don't speak up, our silence amounts to giving consent. So then we're guilty of the slander 
of silence, and we become a party to the deception by not setting the record straight. One author says it well, if we know our words are needed and yet we withhold them, we are as guilty of bearing false witness as the reviler who began the lie. Consider James 4.7. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, uh, for him it is sin. Over the last decade, two passages have informed and impacted my preaching unlike any other passages, particularly as it relates to injustice and abortion. But let me share them with you. Proverbs 24, 11 and 12 says, Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, so here's the excuse, behold, we didn't know this. We didn't know that was what was happening with abortion. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? And Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, open your mouth for the mute. One translation says, speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, so he says it twice, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. This week I posted something from Matt Smethurst. It captures how important it is to not be silent when human life is involved. An embryo, fetus, infant, toddler, adolescent, teen, young adult, adult, elderly, all human. Question, will you speak up and not stay silent when there's an injustice occurring? Because God is truth, we must tell the truth. I want to mention one more way this command is broken. Number eight, false teaching. While Christians have always had to defend against deadly doctrines, the pace in which false teaching is being propagated today is staggering. As cultural trends make inroads among Christians, we need churches that will not capitulate or compromise on God's truth. Listen to these words of warning from 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to, here's, listen to this, deceitful, think commandment number 9, to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Jude 1, verse 3 says, we're to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Man, I'm thrilled that Pastor Kyle, Jason Crosby, and Justin Rumley will be ordained in a special service right here, 3 o'clock, Sunday, August 8th. And I hope you'll come and show your support as these men, as we celebrate with them, they now will be given the, the title reverend in front of their names. If I said Saturday, I mean Sunday. So I'll bring a message from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to the passage. 
I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Guess what? It's out of season right now to preach God's word. But be ready. Do it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience in teaching. For the time is coming, it's already here, when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Did you catch the word accumulate? That means more than one. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, I don't have time to list all the areas where I see itching ears today, accumulating teachers and error. But let me just list ten of them quickly. My list was much longer, but I shortened it. Moral therapeutic deism. Progressive Christianity. That's redefining the cross, atonement, propitiation, the scriptures. Matters of life, abortion. Human sexuality and marriage and the redefinition of marriage. How about the increasing immorality among believers and among church leaders. Almost every week you read of a pastor committing adultery, stealing money, doing something. Not just pastors, ministry leaders, were entire ministries, trusted ministries, we thought, are just blown up. What about gender confusion and gender matters? What about prosperity theology, evolution, easy believism, and worldliness? Friends, because God is truth, you and I must tell the truth. Well, that leads then to our response. How do we respond to a message like this? Well, number one, tell the truth. The Bible's very clear about the importance of telling the truth and not disseminating deception. Chuck Colson used to say this, since we live in a post-truth society, we're called to be people of the truth. You have discovered, haven't you? If you speak for the truth, you're going to be swimming against the culture. You're going to be in a tough, tough spot. Decide to speak and to tell the truth. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So we start by telling the truth, speaking the truth, being honest with our brothers and sisters. Now, as a way to filter your words This acronym, THINK, T-H-I-N-K, helps us ask five questions before we speak or post online. T, is it true? Some of us don't even ask that question. We hear something, we share it. We see something posted, we share it. Is it true? Number two, is it helpful? Number three, is it inspiring? 
Number four, is it necessary? Do I need to say this? And number five, is it kind? Number two, teach the truth. We must make sure everything we teach at Edgewood is the truth. That applies to our preaching, in our children and student ministries, our growth groups, our intentional discipleship groups. By the way, we have had 50 students attend summer camp this summer. That's incredible. And how about yesterday, Super Saturday, our second of the summer yesterday, where students are hearing God's truth. I think of Emma Janicek teaching truth in Mexico this summer. According to Deuteronomy 6, parents are charged with teaching God's truth to the next generation. And these words that I command you today shall be on your own heart. So parents, you got to be living it. Christ has to be on your heart and his word. You shall teach them diligently to your children. So that's almost like a formal teaching time. But would you also notice there's informal times. Teach and talk of them. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. Friends, if we're going to be a people of the truth, we're going to have to constantly do combat with lies by teaching and talking the truth. I came across something this week. It's simple but helpful. The world says, follow your heart. That's very common. You hear that all the time. It's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, follow me. The world says, believe in yourself. Jesus says, believe in me. The world says, oh, discover yourself. Jesus says, no, deny yourself. The world says, be true to you. You be you. What does that even mean? Jesus says, be true to me. Number three, testify to the truth. The final command that Jesus gave is for us to be witnesses who give testimony, true testimony, about the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and second coming of Jesus Christ. Acts 1 verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So if we hope to see conversions, we must make sure our conversation is seasoned with grace and truth. Listen to Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We're called to live on mission by walking in wisdom using wise words as we witness. Number four, trust the truth. In the midst of a culture filled with error and political confusion and false teaching, Jesus declared these words, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In John eight thirty two, he said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. You guys know your Bibles. I love it. So I wonder today, are you ready to trust Jesus, who alone is truth, so that you can be set free from deception and lies and from your sin? Some of you, are living a lie. 
This is your life. This is what you're trying to convey to others around you. But this is how you're living. You're either deceiving yourself and deceiving others in the process. And you think you're deceiving God. Oh, would you make today the day you repent of that kind of living and you turn to Christ, the one who is truth. You know, it's so hard to say kind things with our tongues, isn't it? Well, I think I know why. Well, actually, Jesus tells us why. It's because our tongues are inextricably linked to our hearts. So you're like, where did that come from? Uh, from your heart. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 15, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. Listen to the Ten Commandments here, part of them. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, commandment number nine, slander. These are what defile a person. So our words are but the public pronouncement of the private place of the heart. And so we need hearts and new hopes. So to quote Jack Nicholson, can you handle the truth? (laughs) I mean, can you? Or have you been running from the truth? I'm reminded of Pilate's question to Jesus. What is truth? That's a really good question to ask. But what he didn't realize is truth was standing right in front of him. He asked the right question, didn't stick around to hear the right answer. I'm reminded of these lyrics from the song, Voice of Truth by Casting Crowns. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. Oh, would you repent of your sins and receive the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life purchased for you by the death of Jesus on the cross and his glorious resurrection from the dead. I'm going to invite you to stand and I want us to read this quote from Albert Moeller. And when we're finished, I'm going to pray and then we're going to conclude our service by singing our praises to the one, the only one who is truth. Let's read this together. God's people are a people of the truth. We are to honor and tell the truth, to defend the truth and discern the truth, to love the Bible as the word of God that is truth without any mixture of error and to stand for the truth. We are to uphold the truth, even if the whole world disbelieves, hates, and subverts the truth. We are the people of the truth for one single and irreducible reason. Our God is true. God, you've heard our declaration now, but Lord, it's going to take much more than that. We need, Holy Spirit, for you to fill us. Would you grow your fruit in our lives? Would you take our hearts that, that are dark and for many of us in a faraway place, And Lord, would you soften? Lord, some of us need new hearts. And Lord, there's some here today or engaging online who have never repented and received the free gift of eternal life. If that describes you today, would you admit you're a sinner? Would you acknowledge the ways you have slaughtered others with your tongue?
And what that reveals is a heart where those things come from. Ask God now for a new heart. Repent of your sins. Turn from how you've been living, from your deceit, from lies. And turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, save me from my sins. I know you died on the cross for my sins. And you rose again on the third day. Oh, would you apply what you did to my life? I believe and now I receive. Make me born again. Save me from my sins. And then would you enable me to follow you faithfully as your disciple, no matter how hard it is, speaking the truth, standing up for you, and speaking well of others. Oh God, we give you our praise now. Praise to you, Father. Praise to you, Son. Praise to you, Holy Spirit, three in one. Praise forever to you, King of Kings. And all God's people said, Amen. Praise to you, Holy Spirit, three in one. Praise forever to you, King of Kings. And all God's people said, Amen.